0: connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing Plantish, debuting whole-cut plant-based salmon fillets, and biodegradable antibacterial food packaging. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, food industry journalist and webinar moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off about with a story about a new biodegradable and antibacterial food packaging. So this was a really, really cool uh, story. Um, so a team of scientists from Harvard, T.C. Chan School of Public Health and NTU Singapore recently unveiled, like I said, a biodegradable, antibacterial and also waterproof food packaging. So the packaging uh, kills harmful microbes and it can also extend the shelf life of fresh foods for multiple days. So you're probably wondering how it works. So the Food packaging is made from a type of corn protein called Zain, or Zain, uh, it's spelled Z-E-I-N, starch, and other naturally derived biopolymers, which have been found to be sustainable replacements for PFAS and other plastic-coated paper. So the packaging is also infused with a variety of uh, natural antimicrobial compounds like oil from, uh, from thyme, which is a cooking ingredient, and citric acid, which is commonly found in citrus fruits. So in lab experiments, the packaging really showed its resilience when it was exposed to enzymes from harmful bacteria or increased uh, humidity. So the antibacterial food packaging releases these natural antimicrobial compounds that can kill common fungi such as E. coli or listeria, which is very common among uh, you know fruits and vegetables that uh, produce a lot of moisture. So the packaging was intuitively designed to release the necessary amount of antibacterial of antimicrobial compounds only in response to the presence of additional bacteria or humidity. And that ensures that it can endure several exposures and last for months. So the packaging is intended for fresh food items, like I was saying, um, including meat, fish, produce, and ready to eat meals. And the aim, uh, the team's aim, was to replace conventional plastic packaging with the new material, which could be hugely beneficial for food and packaging waste reductions in food safety. So one of the um, team leaders, or the co-leader of the study said, food safety and waste have become a major societal challenge of our times with immense public health and economic impact, which compromises food security. One of the most efficient ways to enhance food safety and reduce spoilage and waste is to develop efficient biodegradable non-toxic food packaging materials. And that is essentially what they've done, and he is absolutely correct in that um, food waste and food safety are huge issues, especially these days. So according to the Environmental Protection Agency, the US EPA, the plastic containers and packaging make up a major portion of municipal solid waste and account for 82.2 million tons of waste, uh, at least in 2018. And additionally, the recycling rate of generated packaging in containers was only 53.9% in the same year. So if this new packaging is widely adopted, it has the potential to slash waste and prevent further environmental damage and the new material isn't only effective at preventing waste from food packaging but also food waste itself. Fruits and vegetables um, as we know they continue to you know live on and respire even when they're refrigerated so this can lead to spoilage after as little as a few days to a week and they can start generating mold and at that point you want to throw them out. So with the antibacterial food packaging their shelf life can be extended for two to three days or even more. So they conducted an experiment and strawberries were wrapped in the antibacterial food packaging and stayed fresh for seven days before developing mold Um, and compared to its counterparts that were kept in standard fruit plastic boxes which only stayed fresh for four days this is a pretty substantial improvement. So the development of this food packaging is part of NTU's efforts to promote sustainable food tech solutions aligned with their 2025 strategic plans, which aim to develop sustainable solutions to address most the most environmental, uh, sorry, the most pressing environmental challenges. So the researchers really hope to scale up this technology with an industrial partner. And the aim is to commercialize this uh, packaging within the next few years. And uh, I, I thought this was such a cool story um, and a really, really necessary and, uh, you know, innovative product. So I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Like, do you think that it's possible to see uh, packaging like this within the next few years? Um, and in terms of the price, do you think that we'll be paying more for food that's packaged uh, more sustainably? What are your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I definitely think we will be paying more for um this innovative type of food packaging, Um, which I'm okay with, because I think it's so important. I think most household waste is actually from food packaging, or most things that people throw into their recycling bins is probably, you know, from food packaging, in addition to other things like, you know, any boxes that came in through online orders and stuff like that. But something that I didn't know, actually, that I found out Uh, A couple of years ago was that, you know, when people eat food and then they um, throw out the plastic into the recycling bin. Did you guys know that if that plastic is dirty, so if it's, you know, has food residues on it, which most of it will, that actually cannot be recycled. So Mm. when it reaches the recycling plant, if they see that the plastic is very dirty and has a lot of leftover food residue, they're not going to bother to wash it and recycle it. So the thing that consumers can do is before they toss their plastics, um, they should wash them first, like rinse it out, and then you can put it into the recycling bin. That has a greater chance that it will be able to be transformed into a recycled good. So I think um, this new innovation with the biodegradable antibacterial food packaging has a lot of potential because I do think that most food packaging does not ultimately end up being recycled. Avery, that's
1: that's a, a, a great point. i so sure <laughs> to say that, Aisha. I, I actually, I, I didn't know, I, I don't think anyone had ever told me that. I think I would just watch my parents, r- r- you know, rinse the uh, uh, plastic containers if yeah. they were dirty. And then I think we just picked up on it. Um, so that's a, a good point too, in indicating that, you know, the recycling rate is actually even a lot lower than, you know, almost 54%. It's probably even less than that mm-hmm. because even those that do recycle may not be doing it properly. And of course, every municipality and city has have their own rules. Uh, but I think that is an understated one that a lot of people don't know. And of course, there isn't an individual person who's going to come to your door and tell you, oh, you recycled, but you didn't do it properly. So we can't use it. It's it's really on the, you know, on the household to know how to do that. So this packaging would also eliminate that as well. Um, and I guess you would just put it in your green bin uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to recycling it so yeah that's a, that's a great point
3: yeah, that is a really good point because uh, like like you, Sydney, I just grew up with like parents who like my mom, especially is like, we are, we were always just taught to uh, rinse everything um, including plastics and of course our dishes. So it was always like you rinse your plastics and then you throw them out. So, but a lot of people may not be aware or accustomed to that. So that's pretty concerning that how um, that number at 54% is probably actually a lot lower Um, because people are not um, recycling things properly. And I think this new innovation is really needed. And I think it's, um, you know, we talk a lot about like biodegradable materials and um, just out of, you know, helping to protect the environment. And it may be potentially better for us health wise as well, because I think plastics, you know, in recent years, there's a lot of been a lot of awareness around some of the um, materials that go into producing plastics. Of course, there was BPA, which now you see a lot of BPA-free materials and things like that. So, I think consumers would definitely be more open to uh, a packaging product that is not only environmentally safe and protective, but also that may um, be better health-wise as well. But we don't really know this from here. But it seems like based on on the materials that go into this, they're using. Um, you know, fairly organic materials, of course, um, so that they are biodegradable and it's great that I can just go into your uh, organic waste so you don't have to think twice about separating things and it's just, um, it will just be easier for consumers to, to dispose of.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think recycling and um, you know composting and using a green bin, it it really does put a lot of trust in consumers, and mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of them uh, do it properly, but a lot of us may not do it properly. Plus, we also don't know the standards, the cleaning standards, uh, you know, when they are recycling if if we if we've cleaned them thoroughly enough. So this takes a right. lot of the confusion and and uh, you know all of that out of. Out of this process, um, and yeah, in terms of the price, I, I would imagine that since since these materials are a little more, uh, you know, th- they may not be harder to source, but the technology is still new. Uh, we may be paying uh, a bit of a more of a price for that until it becomes uh, scalable, or you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're right Um, it is a price that we'd be willing to pay or we may not even have a choice so um, I do hope that we see a widespread adoption of this and it would really be cool to track uh, you know over a period of of years or decades uh, the, the progress that that we could see from this So moving on to some really cool uh, plant-based news, Um, an Israeli startup called Plantish recently became the first company to debut a whole cut plant-based salmon filet with the announcement of Plantish Salmon. So the company claims that the analog delivers the same taste, texture, and nutritional profile as real salmon without harming any fish. So, plantish salmon was designed to mimic its fish counterpart in every way, including that classic flaky texture, the fibrous structure, and buttery mouthfeel, in order to imitate the eating experience without needing to harm any fish. So, to match the nutritional profile of the fish, the plant based salmon fillets are also high in omega 3s and 6s, protein, and B vitamins. So I thought this was particularly cool because up until now, um, all, uh, you know, plant based fish has been mostly, uh, you know, like crab cakes or things that are ground as opposed to, you know, a whole cut fillet but like I said most alt seafood products are made to mimic ground fish so to address this gap in the market Plantish created its salmon using a proprietary blend of plant proteins and they harness the power of food tech to produce a whole cut fillet that can be prepared in all of the same ways as traditional salmon so like baking grilling and poaching. So uh, the company said in a press release, the complexities for creating whole cut fish are not only in creating the mimic taste, texture and mouthfeel, but also two other critical, sorry, but also two other crucial criteria, structure and scalability. Using the right plant proteins to achieve the fibrous strands meant to replicate the complex texture of animal muscle is key to succeeding in capturing the experience of eating salmon, and doing so at scale will will make it a suitable substitute for food service, restaurants, and retail. So to realize that goal, the startup recently raised $2 million in a seed funding round that included participation from a Michelin-starred chef named Jose Andres and the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. So they'll use the funding to scale production of its salmon fillets and make it an affordable and viable swap for fish at the retail level. And it also plans to showcase its realistic salmon alternative at select pop-ups by the end of 2022 and it aims for a wider launch by 2024. So of course, in writing this story, I I looked up the company and uh, it's actually sort of more of a plant based and sustainable lifestyle company. So it sells, um, you know, reusable bags and, and other, you know, sustainable home goods. So this is it seemed like it was kind of their first foray into food, which is really interesting. And it's only a six-month-old startup, and like I said, it created Plantish um, to fill the gap in, a, in in this this plant-based fish market, but also to curb the environmental damage caused by the fishing industry. So I'm sure we we know about this, but fish that's pulled from the ocean are very you know they're increasingly filled with microplastics due to human pollution and also large-scale fishing. Uh, operations catch and often unintentionally kill untargeted marine life so while plantish is unique in creating the whole cut fit fillet, A growing number of startups are also challenging this $586 billion global fish industry. So a few others that are working on uh, some plant-based fish products are uh, Good Catch Foods. So they launched a burger made from their blend of six plant proteins. And then also uh, our colleague Mira wrote about this company called GTFO It's Vegan. They announced the launch of their own vegan sashimi, which includes tuna, salmon, and calamari. And I couldn't you know, talk about these with, also, uh, with not mentioning lab-grown fish, so there's been a lot of innovation um, that's well underway in this category from companies like Blue Nalu and Wild Type, but it still needs a lot more time to scale and receive some regulatory approval. So in the meantime, Plantish, Plantish has big inspirations to save the oceans and eliminate the need to consume marine animals by providing more sustainable, more nutritious, and more delicious fish options. So as someone who uh, has traditionally not enjoyed fish, uh, I think part of the reason that I'm not a huge fan is I'm kind of just creeped out by fish and <laughs> I think a little bit too hard about where it came from and, and uh, you know, the, the fish itself. So looking at this uh, photo of the plantish salmon, I mean, it really does look like fish, but I think if I had the mindset that, you know, this isn't actually a fish, maybe I'd be willing to try it. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this, um, you know, being that it's the first whole cut plant-based salmon. Uh, would you try this? Uh, do you think that uh, it actually would... Take taste uh and and have the same mouthfeel as real salmon what do you think
3: i would definitely try this i think this is so cool and looking at the picture i mean you I wouldn't be able to differentiate between this and an actual filet of salmon. So I think it's pretty incredible how they've been able to achieve the look. And as for the taste, um, well, we'll have to taste it to find out. Um, so I think that, uh, that's um, why I would definitely uh, give it a go. And I think it's um, this is a really cool and growing space, I think, in terms of trying to mimic Um, meats uh, and including fish here in, in this case. Uh, using plant-based uh, products, I'm. I think we talked about this before in terms of the market for this. I think there's a huge market overall in general. But uh, you know, you have people who are vegan who are vegan because they either don't like um, the idea or the taste of meat or or fish. So this is something that I guess would not cater to to that segment. But I think for people who grew up eating meat or and or in fish previously, I think this is a great alternative that um, could be healthier and better for the environment. And I think what's also interesting is that we also talked about this before in terms of you know if you have these kinds of plant based or even lab grown meat, are they able to achieve the same nutritional profile? Um, and, and this company kept this in mind, and they're saying that um, the these plant based salmon fillets are high in omega threes and omega sixes, right? So I think. Um, yeah, they paid a lot of attention into, you know, making sure that it really mimics the real thing. So I'd be excited to try this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I, I was doing my graduate studies in, in the field of aquatic toxicology, and we have read so many publications about you know, fish from the ocean being contaminated with, you know, mercury or antibiotics or microplastics. And, you know, I still, I still love eating, you know, fish. Um, I try not to think about those things when I do eat <laughs> it. But I think uh, the point by the company Plantish is that, yes, we're mimicking the nutritional profile and taste of real fish, but without All of those downsides that fish may have. Now, you know, I know that um, companies are very careful to make sure that the fish from the ocean or aquaculture is is pretty obviously safe to eat. But, you know, I I still think about those things sometimes when I'm eating fish. Um, So I think this is uh, promising from an environmental perspective and a health perspective too.
1: Yeah, I mean, and they have really big aspirations. I think they want to see maybe not the end of fishing, but I think they want to be able to produce at a scale that would encourage people uh, that they don't need to eat real uh, salmon if if this is a perfectly viable option. So um, I don't know. It could probably take many years to achieve this. And um, you know, while I was researching this story, I was I was looking up just the the plant based meat uh, market in general and. Um, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that it's, it's, there's, there's a theme or at least there was a theme of like replicating meats, um, in, 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 not in its whole form so we still haven't really seen like a plant-based whole cut you know steak or something like that and the the, the exact same thing up until now sort of applied to the plant-based fish market there was really just like ground fish or like fish stick you know analogs and things like that so I think um, like like I said this really like fills a gap in, in that market and um, yeah I, I would agree I think there's a really big demand for it because fish is one of those uh, you know they're very naturally healthy as long as they're not you know like you said filled with microplastics and mercury um, so if you know if, if truly they, they did replicate the nutritional profile tastes the same cooks the same etc then there's kind of no reason not to at least give it a try and even if this company and others like it um, you know they're probably not going to take over the entire fish. Industry, but I think even just reducing the amount of fish needed uh, in the world uh, will be vastly helpful, um, you know, for the environment and overfishing and, and issues like that. So, yeah, just thought it was a really cool story, and I'm certain we're going to see others like it. I remember our colleague Mira wrote about um, a plant based shrimp as well. Um, A a few months ago, too. So I think we'll start seeing some more uh, whole cut um, and, you know, rather than ground plant based uh, meats, not just in, you know, fish, but in like other areas of of meat, chicken, beef, other things like that. So definitely some cool things to look forward to.
3: Yeah, I think I remember, was it you that wrote a story about, uh, I think, a plant based steak where they were trying to mimic like the marbling and all yeah, of that. Yeah,
1: it was a it was a filet mignon actually. Um, mm. Yeah, it was like a a while ago that I wrote about that, and it was very um, <laughs> it was very expensive. It was just as expensive as a normal filet mignon. And um, yeah, there there are a lot of like smaller companies working on things like that. And um, yeah, it's it's really just all about scale and and getting yeah. them out there and and encouraging people to like. You know, maybe keep an an open mind and 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 just give things a try because um you know there's really no harm in it. And if you can convert you know a few people, or if you can get them to become more flexitarian even, then I think mm. they'd be they'd be happy with that.
3: Yeah, I think as is the the market is pretty huge, and um, there's mm. definitely a lot of scope. Um, to introduce these kinds of products. I wonder if this company is going to branch out into other meats. Um, Did they mention like, like chicken, steak, because if they have, you know, the technology, um, I wonder if that can be extended to other kind of uh, meats but that'd be interesting yeah not uh,
1: not that I could see I think they were just focusing on salmon for the for the time mm. being but I wouldn't be surprised if uh if, if they came out with other meat analogs yeah. as well yeah because it's really mm. it's really about just yeah the technology and finding the, the transferable right combination. technology I would yeah, think yeah
3: exactly mm. it's just
1: about finding the right combo and flavors and 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 using that technology to sort of mimic um you know those whole cut uh meats so yeah, definitely wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they if they came okay. out with more. I think I think for a lot of them, they try to uh, a lot of startups they try to sort of perfect uh, one thing before moving on yeah. to to something else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this seems very promising. Um, it's just the, the the problem is, or at least you know, it's not going to be out for a while. Um,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, they're hoping for a launch in in about two years, but these things take mm-hmm. time, so we got to be Absolutely, patient.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> Yep. And I guess just for now, they, they want to aim to be saviors of the sea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.